Well, hey friends, welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus, receive his love, and look more and more like him each day. Today, we're gonna to be looking at the ripple effects that can be caused when we choose to follow Jesus. Stay tuned to see how that could be. ago, I was sent a scan of Evangel Church's bulletin for their 50th year anniversary celebration. Now, this was now decades ago that this had happened, uh, but I was sent it because I was doing some research for a class that we have here called Grow Track. And so one of kind of the sages of our church, one of the history keepers of our church here had a scan and had the bulletin itself and so sent it to me. And it was a great walk down memory lane for me as somebody who hasn't attended here my whole life to be able to see kind of the history of Evangel. And it struck me just inc how incredible and rich that history was. So I would love to go just down a really brief walk down memory lane with you uh, today. Now, for those of you who are either new with us here online uh, or who have been attending online for a short amount of time, I hope that this is gonna be an incredible picture for you. Um, a picture of where we have come from, uh, all of our history that helps inform our, our vision for where we're going in the future as a church. But for some of you this morning, as you're jumping on, you have either uh, lived through this history, been a part of building the history, um, and are still here today that uh, are continuing to determine that you're gonna shape history of this church as well. And so if you're one of those people, first of all, I'm gonna do my very best to uh, stay true to the history of this church. Um, I'm working on information that I was given, and so, if there are things that I omit, names that I miss, dates that I maybe uh, get a little bit wrong, I would love to chat with you and, and set the record straight on that. Um, but I would love to go down and walk down memory lane with all of us today. So the story of Evangel Church starts all the way back in 1941. And it started when some pioneers of the faith were determined and inspired to spread the gospel throughout uh, unreached coastal communities in BC, of which Powell River, being a new city, was one of them. And so this continued for about nine years, when in 1950, two pastors, uh, Joe, Jack York and Joe Chuddick, decided that they would start regular gospel meetings in a rented dance hall, which back then, I'm not even sure if you were still allowed to dance. And so, uh, you know, it was an amazing little moment that they would start those regular meetings. So two years later, Full Gospel Tabernacle was started with, with those two pastors and about 40 other committed followers of Jesus. By 1965, the church had outgrown that space, that they had grown that rented dance hall, and so they were looking for some new uh, area to build, and they constructed a new building uh, alongside of a name change that came with it, Evangel Pentecostal Church. So about 11 years later, sorry, in 1996, uh, the land was purchased to construct another building because they had outgrown that one previous. They had now got uh, so big that they couldn't fit in the building that they were in. And so they sought again for some new land. And so in 1996, land was purchased to construct another building that we now call our church home here. If you're online and you haven't visited us, uh, we would love to see you if you live in the local area. Um, you may have driven past our building here, but it's, a, it's an incredibly beautiful building. And so that building, the one that we're in right now, was built uh, shortly after then. 
So since its beginning, as I kind of looked back and reflected on kind of the pioneering faith, the desire to grow, not just to have great numbers, but to reach the community here in Powell River, I realized that Evangel has always been about discipleship. That evangelism was at their heart, that discipleship was at their heart. It seems to almost be in our DNA. Evangel has raised up uh, many leaders that have been part of discipling others in their community here, in their workplace, overseas, um, through pastoral ministry. And so we have an incredibly rich legacy of discipleship here at Evangel. We actually stand on many incredible shoulders today of people who have determined that the gospel truly is the good news for everyone. That it not only is good news, but it's transformative news that changes people's lives and, and that continues to transform them as they journey in faith uh, forward. And so this church and our community has largely been shaped by discipleship. As we continue our series today called The Values That Shape Us, it's clear that this has always been a part of Evangel. Um, for those who are mature in faith, who have shown a lifetime of faithfulness here at Evangel, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your discipleship. Thank you for your um, example that you set that has caused ripple effects, I believe, are much further uh, reaching than you could ever imagine. But friends, as we look back on our history, I want you to know that the best for this church is not in the rearview mirror. The best for this church is not in the rearview mirror. God still has more for you. God still has more for us as a church here at Evangel. And God still has more for this community as he establishes his kingdom in our hearts and in this city. Friends, the way that we will see God's best for us, the God's best for our future, is by continuing this culture of discipleship together. And so if you take notes, even at home online, uh, I would encourage you to write this down. God's kingdom flourishes where discipleship is prioritized. God's kingdom flourishes where discipleship is prioritized. And I'm sure that you can guess uh, maybe what our value has to talk about this morning. Because the value that we're looking at today is the mission is disciples making disciples. Now, there are two parts to this value, as you can see. There is being a disciple, and then there's also making a disciple or making disciples. So we're going to look at both of these things today uh, as we look forward to the continued legacy being laid here in this church and in this community. Now, if you're joining us just for a moment, um, I'm so thankful that you're with us today. If you have another faith community uh, that you're a part of, I want to encourage you that uh, this, although it's specific for our church, is also specific for your church and your context and your discipleship as well. And so stay tuned with us, like stay with us through this, because I believe that God has a word for you today as well. Now this morning, or today, I'm going to be jumping through a couple of passages. But before we open God's word together, let's quickly pray. Well, God, we just take a moment to thank you for the life of legacy of, of discipleship that you have shown to our church and inspired in our church. God, I thank you that you are still with us, that the best is yet to come, that you are still doing a work in each one of our hearts and in this community as well. And so, God, we just relinquish all control today. God, we uh, pray that our ears would be open and our hearts would be receptive to what you have to say. God, I pray that as I speak, that my words would be quiet, that are on my own strength. Because Spirit of Truth, we want you to speak to us today. God, we love you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, God's kingdom flourishes where discipleship is prioritized. And what I mean by this is that when discipleship is prioritized in our individual lives, 
that the missional outflow is that we begin to make disciples in turn. But what is a disciple? It's certainly not like an exclusively Christian term, um, and it's thrown around quite a bit. But as I was looking at the definition, like the kind of specific like clinical definition, um, the Cambridge definition is incredibly interesting. It says this, it says, a person who believes in the ideas and principles of someone famous and tries to live the way that person does or did. And I love this because the reality is because this is not an exclusively Christian term is that you and I can actually be a disciple of anything or anyone. It's about who or what we imitate that exposes what we are a disciple to or who we are a disciple to. And as disciples of Jesus, uh, we follow Jesus, this famous person uh, that we don't just believe is famous and has clout, but is uh, the truth and our savior uh, and our Lord. We follow him in the way that he acts, lives, speaks, instructs. Um, in fact, Jesus was called rabbi. He was called teacher and we're his pupils or his disciples. Now, in a less clinical term, a disciple is someone who determines to look more and more like Jesus each day. That's from our vision statement, uh, is that we exist to be a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus, receive his love, and look more and more like him each day. And so that is part of what being a disciple is. Now, there may be some of you who today are exploring faith in Jesus, that you haven't yet put your faith in him, you know, let alone be his disciple. Well, for you and to you, I want to say that the spirit of truth reveals Jesus to each of us. And there does come a time when Jesus says to each of us, if we explore faith in him, to come and follow me. And we have the option of how we're going to respond to that invitation. And so I believe that the spirit will reveal Jesus to you in his timing. And that as you explore faith in him, that he will, he will reveal himself. And you too can join the journey of discipleship. Now, there's no prerequisites to starting this journey of discipleship, except your sincere desire to turn away from your brokenness by accepting Jesus's invitation of love and salvation. That's a free gift to you. And I think as believers, we can sometimes expect people to be disciples before they're even saved. Um, but Jesus never says that. He, he met people where they were at, you know, tax collectors, those who were like very, very shirked by um by culture because they were corrupt. He met fishermen, he met um, all sorts of people and he didn't like wait with like a checklist to say that you can come follow me. He simply just walked up to them and said, come follow me. And it is out of that act of faith of doing so that we begin to walk al alongside of him as his disciples. And so there's a sense of discipleship, not just being an add on to our life, Discipleship is, is an everyday, consistent effort to look more and more like Jesus each day, depending on our, what we're walking through, sometimes a moment-by-moment -moment decision to continue to be his disciple. And so we're going to look at uh, Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 36, as we look at what it means to be a disciple today. Now, if you don't have a Bible, uh, we would love to give you a couple options. The first one is a digital copy, uh, which if you go to myevangel.church forward slash Bible, will link you to the App Store or the Google Play Store to be able to grab that. Or if you live in our region here, uh, we would love to resource you with a physical Bible as well. Um, a physical Bible sometimes has the advantage of being able to mark it up and write in the margins and keep it for yourself and take it with you uh, in a way that is 
memorable. Like it, it holds weight. And so it's a little bit more memorable. And so we would love to give you uh, either a digital copy or a physical copy if you just fill out the form uh, on that page. But let's read God's word. Math, or sorry, Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 36. It says, Calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What we see here that being a disciple isn't a casual hobby that we have. We don't just add it on to, you know, the, the way that we define ourselves, you know, our focus, our, um, you know, our vision for our lives, but it's actually the giving up of our entire lives. And I think the Global Sea Church has often tried too hard to make discipleship and being a disciple of Jesus seem palatable where we've kind of watered down the message of what being a disciple actually is. And as a result, I think we find, uh, people will find a different cause that they will very quickly become kind of disenchanted with what this means, where, you know, it becomes an add on, but other things pull our attention away and then they begin to fall away. And so I think we've done a disservice by watering down what it means to be a disciple. That it's not a hobby that we have for our lives, but it's giving up of our entire lives. But friends, Jesus promises that in laying down our life, we will walk in his abundant life. That in all that we seek in the world, in the places that we find to try and satisfy, they never will. But we see that in demanding everything of, di of a disciple, that we find the abundant life that fulfills us in a way that nothing else in this world ever could. And it is in the death of our plans, the death of our faulty desires, the death of our preferences, and it is the death of our, our brokenness. But friends, in the death of our plans, we find God's fulfilling purpose. In the death of our faulty desires, we find God's righteousness and holiness. In the death of our preferences, we find God's kingdom values that bring wholeness to our lives and our community. It is in the death to our brokenness that we find God's complete, full healing of our heart, our mind, and our soul. And the best part is Jesus has already gone through this process of dying to self. That he didn't have to die to himself. He was already perfect. He had lived with perfect desire, uh, vision, purpose, um, obedience, but instead he still chose to walk to the cross for you and I and die the most brutal death to take that place that we could never fill. But friends, he didn't stay dead. He didn't lose his life and ended at that. But on the third day, resurrection power was displayed to each one of us as he rose from that grave and walked out of that grave and revealed himself and that resurrection power to the world. And this is what Jesus means when he says, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, is that he has already gone there himself and he gives us the resurrection power and strength to do it ourselves as well. And it is in that death of ourselves, we find our resur his resurrection life and his power. Because God's kingdom flourishes where discipleship is prioritized. And so we see this resurrection power flourishing in us. In fact, it says in scripture that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in us if we are believers in him today. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. Because discipleship, being a disciple and following Jesus and walking with him, they're irrevocable. They cannot be separated from one another. Because without discipleship, we aren't following anyone anywhere. You know, we've begun to stall out on our journey. And we know that things that are moving are things that are alive. And so it's the daily choice to lay everything down at the feet of Jesus so that we can look more and more like him each day. That's the goal of a disciple. That we look more and more like Jesus, the one who is truth. The one who changes our life through his truth. Friends, discipleship is no easy task. It's not just a hobby that we add on to our lives, but it becomes our focus. Because discipleship is a way that the gospel is proclaimed and deepened in our lives. Now, as I think about this kind of idea of discipleship, of laying down your life, I think of gardeners. Um, I am no gardener. Uh, in fact, I am a proficient murderer of plants. Um, but those people who are gardeners, I'm pretty sure are actually miracle workers unto themselves. Because they take this dried husk, this like insignificant speck of what seems like nothingness in a seed. And then not only do they take this thing that's like dried out and looks insignificant, but they bury it in the cold, dark earth. And then they cover it and it's dark and still cold and like nothing seems to be happening. It seems like nothing in that environment should flourish as a result. But it is in that very environment of what seems like death that seems like burial, that the seed flourishes. It produces fruit. And it often even enriches the soil around it, that's it that it's planted in so other things and other plants can grow alongside of it. And I think that's such a beautiful picture of God planting his seed of the gospel in our lives. And as us dying to ourselves, what seems cold and dark and buried, that the seed of salvation that Jesus plants in our hearts begins to grow and flourish. And the outcome of discipleship is that it produces fruit. You may feel like you're being buried. You may feel as a disciple like you truly are dying sometimes. But I think that it is that very environment that you truly flourish. Because God's kingdom flourishes where discipleship is prioritized. Discipleship is about a daily death to ourself so that the life of Jesus may continue to live in us, transform us, and flow out of us to other people to begin to cause them to grow as well. Some of you may know this hymn, and I think it speaks about being a disciple. Now, I'm not going to sing it to you today uh, because that may actually bring our death, but I will read the lyrics to you. It says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back, no turning back. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. Friends, the journey of discipleship isn't one that is perfect. The reality is we will in our humanness follow after other things other than our teacher and savior and Lord Jesus. Because discipleship isn't about perfection, but about the journey of being perfected by Jesus. One day after another, 
what often feels like one failure after another, as we say, no turning back, no turning back. Now, we will eventually see that perfection when we meet Jesus in eternity. But until then, we say no turning back, no turning back. God, whatever comes my way as a disciple, I still will follow you because I know that this is the best for my life, because I know that you have a purpose for me, because I know that it may feel like I'm dying, but it is in that death to self that the life that you give us flourishes. As we walk as disciples, you may feel buried, but know that it is God's kingdom flourishing in you as discipleship is prioritized. So friends, I want to encourage you to abide in him, journey in relationship with him daily, with his word, with prayer, with each other, because your, your, your discipleship journey doesn't happen in isolation. It actually can't happen in isolation. We are disciples together. We have the opportunity to both walk alongside each other and learn from each other and encourage each other when it's hard and it's tough and it's challenging. We actually cannot do this life alone. You cannot walk out your journey of discipleship all alone. We need each other. We need each other to learn Jesus' ways that we find in his word and to live a life of faithfulness. We need people to, to encourage us with God's truth, to share about God's truth when we're believing lies, to continue that legacy of discipleship that we have here at Evangel by catching the mission of disciples making disciples. Friends, we need next steps to take in our journey of discipleship in our journey of faith, because we remember that we go one step after the other, no turning back. And so this is why here at Evangel, we have um, some next steps like Grow Track, uh, like community groups, which we'll be relaunching this fall, like Evangel Academy as we study God's word, like joining around worship and his word on Sunday mornings to celebrate all that God has done throughout the week. And like all of the other ministries here, they always have a discipleship uh, focus to them. Because like that quote said, Christianity without discipleship is Christianity without Christ. And so there is no turning back. You may make mistakes along the way. You may need to turn back around, but no turning back. So we see that being a disciple means that we die to ourselves. That in doing so, God's kingdom flourishes. That God's life abundant is given to us. And so we see that the missional outflow of being a disciple of Jesus is making disciples. But what does that even look like in our lives? Well, as I think on scripture, and now with the exception of Jesus, without Jesus, discipleship isn't even a thing. So without Jesus being the best discipler, I think that the second greatest discipler that we see is the apostle Paul. Because Paul was one of the apostles of Jesus who is responsible and who did spread the gospel throughout much of the then known world. Um, he did this by establishing faith communities all around Eurasia that were faith communities that were disciple-making communities. They were churches throughout many parts of Eurasia. And so his ministry stretched far and wide, and he has much to say about making disciples. And I wish that we could like conglomerate it all, uh, but we would be here for a very long time. So we're going to turn just to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And so we're going to jump around this passage a little bit, but we're going to stop, start at the top of the, ver of the chapter in verses 1 to 2. It says, A person should think of us in this way, as servants of Christ and managers of the mysteries of God. In this regard, it is required that managers be found faithful. So here Paul lays out what it means to be a disciple who is making disciples. 
There are two words here, servant and manager. And when we look at them in the original language, they give us a pretty beautiful full picture. The word for servant is huperites. And according to Strong's Concordance, which is like a dictionary for uh, the ancient language in which the Bible is written, or languages, uh, it says this. It says, a servant, huperites, is an under rower who mans the oars on a lower deck or a subordinate executing official orders, for example, or in other words, operating under direct specific orders. So they would be the one uh, given orders through by the captain and they would work alongside the other rowers to move the ship forward to its eventual destination. And so there's a sense of cooperation with those who are also seeking to move the ship forward. And this is a picture that we see of discipleship happening in tandem with each other, that making disciples also happens in tandem. And so the second word manager is oikonomos, or the steward of the household. And here, the picture is of someone who has the authority to manage the household, but is still held to account by the owner of the house. And they are the, the manager of the mysteries of God or God's word. And so as we share God's word in our discipleship, as we disciple people by revealing God's word, we steward what God has given us in his word. And as we walk alongside of people, we must also give an account to the one who is an authority over us, the owner of the house, Jesus. And so as Paul discipled the Corinthian church, which by the way, uh, was met with a lot of failure on their part, which was met with a lot of correction, love, restoration. Uh, it wasn't a walk in the park. The Corinthian church flourished. And so that is part of the discipleship is that it's messy, that there's sometimes failure and correction and love and restoration kind of all wrapped into the journey of discipleship. But in doing that, the Corinthian church flourished. And that's because God's kingdom flourishes where discipleship is prioritized. So now we're going to jump down to verses 15 to 16. It says, for you, for you may have countless instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Now, what we skipped over uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 is Paul bringing correction to the Corinthian sense of pride and excess contrasted with the life of an apostle, which was anything but. Um, and so the Corinthian, the city of Corinth was one that was uh, wealthy and uh, diverse and culturally was very uh, secular. It, it almost mimics the world that we live in now. Um, and so he corrects them quite a bit on their excess and particularly their pride and also the divisions that were being caused by um, them essentially elevating like celebrity pastors or celebrity apostles far above what they should be. And so he writes that that kind of attitude, uh, he, he wants to warn them that is not the way of Jesus. And he says something very interesting, and it always strikes me when I read this passage. He says, for you may have many countless instructors or guides in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. Countless guides, but not many fathers. Um, this was true to the Corinthians in their context, as they were a fledgling church. Like the capital C church in general was fledgling, it was new. Um, the gospel was just being spread throughout the known world. And Paul, through the preaching of the gospel, became their spiritual father, that he was the one who revealed the gospel to these people. And so as a result, became their spiritual father that showed them Jesus and his salvation. But for us, in our context, uh, we too have countless guides in Christ. 
You know, we have commentaries about scripture and endless Bible translations at the tip of our fingers. We have countless Instagram preachers and theologians. We have programs that we watch on TV and on YouTube that guide us, that are the, the ones who reveal that truth. We may have a deluge of guides in Christ who sort of tour us around the scriptures and tell us what they mean, but we don't have many fathers because Google online commentaries, Instagram preachers, that TV special, they will only be guides and they will never be fathers. What I mean by that is, is they may care about truth. They may care about communicating God's truth, but those people will not walk alongside of you through pain and loss and brokenness and suffering. They may teach you what the word says, but you will never have the benefit of seeing what the word says lived out in a person's life of faithfulness. We may have countless guides, but we don't have many fathers because this is the gift of making disciples is proximity. I don't know if you can be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, nor can you make fully devoted followers of Jesus without proximity. Paul says this himself in verse 16, therefore I urge you to imitate me in the everyday, not just in the Instagrammable moments. And so I think this is how we make disciples, by other people on a newer path of discipleship, imitating those who are more mature in faith in relationship with each other. And this theme of, of like imitate me or follow me uh, is a theme in Paul's writings. He, he doesn't just say it here in 1 Corinthians 4, he says it in 1 Corinthians 11, and he says it in other spots as well. Um, and I think it's important to see those other examples because they bring a little bit of nuance that we maybe miss in 1 Corinthians 4. Um, in chapter 11, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ or follow me as I follow Christ. In our endeavor to make disciples, we can't have people imitate us and have that be it. While we need to see those examples, the goal is for them to see Christ in us and imitate that. That we say, hey, I'm following Jesus. This is sometimes what it looks like, but you can't follow me. You have to follow Jesus himself. And so in our discipleship, we must be those that bring people not to ourselves, but to the feet of Jesus every single time. To leave them just with our example and not have the as I imitate Christ part misses the point. Friends, our world has many guides, but the, but the beauty of discipleship here in our church at Evangel, here in your church, is that we can fill the gap of being those spiritual fathers and mothers, those people who are in proximity to those that are discipling us and that we are discipling. And so to those of you who are mature in faith, we, as those, those who are still early in our journey of discipleship, need you. We deeply need you. We need your wisdom. We need your experience. We need your example of a life of faithfulness. And to those of you who are new in your discipleship journey, uh, if you're a student watching today, please, please do not wait for a mentor who is mature in faith to come to you. Go find them. Ask them for coffee. Ask them good, transparent, important questions. Wrestle through faith with them. Build relationship with them because it will be your flourishing as a result. They will be the one that disciple you because they are ahead of you in your journey. 
And to be honest, I think my generation um, and the next generation right now have maybe lost some of the value of intergenerational discipleship. And even to maybe some extent view those, those who are more mature in faith with almost a sense of suspicion or contempt. Um, and I think we shouldn't be blind with who we follow. Uh, we need to be clear that those people who are discipling us are truly following and imitating Christ. So we can't be blind. But I think that we've come with a sense of suspicion or even contempt, and as a result, written off the wisdom, the maturity, the experience, the life that these people have. And I think that is truly to our extreme disadvantage. I think it's to our extreme disadvantage. And so I want to say again to those of you who are in these younger generations, please value the wisdom, the experience, the knowledge that those mature in faith who live a life of integrity have because it is a gift to you that they are sitting potentially in the room alongside of you, that you may be in another faith community that they're sitting right beside you. So friends, I wanna encourage you to pick up that gift, allow yourself to be challenged, ask someone more mature in faith out for coffee and just pick their brain. Matt Chandler says, a who is a pastor in the States, says one of the blessings of the family of God is that the enthusiasm of children influences their elders while experience seasons the younger members. And so we see this beautiful picture of intergenerational discipleship. And friends, our mission is disciples making disciples. And this is the legacy that we get to leave. God's kingdom flourishes where discipleship is prioritized. Friends, we've seen this in our church history and the best of this is not in the rear view mirror. And so I want to thank you for catching this mission of disciples making disciples, because it's a tremendous opportunity that each of us have as we journey in faith today. You know, as I was thinking on, back on my life, I realized that I was discipled by Evangel Church well before I ever got here. And I'm deeply thankful for that culture and DNA of discipleship here. And you may ask, like, how can that even be? Like, how did you know that, this, that you were discipled from, from people here? Well, the reality is the president of the Bible college that I uh, attended, where I was trained up to be a pastor, is an evangel alumni, where my professors, some of them, they're also grew up in this church. Some of my best friends grew up here, were discipled in their youth group and at church. And I, as I walk through life with them, as they imitate Christ, have been discipled by them as well. Friends, this is the outcome of discipleship. There is this ripple effect that extends far further than I think we could ever imagine. And so by God's grace, if we continue to have the mission of disciples making disciples, I believe that God's kingdom will flourish in our lives and here in this community. And the ripple effects of that will extend outward far beyond anything we could ever imagine. But I wanna say that we need each other to do that. Iron sharpens iron just as one person sharpens another. So to those of you who are mature in faith, you are deeply needed and valued. We value your wisdom, your grace, your experience, your life of faithfulness. To those of you who are new in faith, you too are deeply needed and deeply valued in our discipleship journey because we need your fresh eyes. We need your hopeful hearts. We need your passionate vision and your kind of bright eyes to what the gospel is because sometimes as we journey in faith, our eyes can... Um, put on filters that maybe are not as bright and exciting as you have. So if you're exploring faith, I wanna encourage you that your discipleship journey could start today 
as you say yes to Jesus, that you can be a part of uh, a mission bigger than yourself as you become a follower of Jesus. And all that needs to be done, like I said before, is to accept the invitation of God's grace and salvation to you today. Friends, in our journey of dying to ourselves and making disciples, we need each other deeply. This is our legacy. And may we continue to lay the foundation of discipleship here at Evangel by dying to ourselves and walking alongside each other in that journey together. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the journey that you have for each one of us. We thank you that you invite us to come and follow you. And the outcome of that is we live a life abundant. God, I pray uh, that in our discipleship journey, that you would walk with us, that you would speak to us. God, that we would um, first determine in our hearts to be good disciples of you, to imitate you well, to follow your example and life as we look more and more like you each day. And God, I pray that as a missional outflow of that is that we make other disciples. Lord, I pray that we would continue to uh, walk alongside people, that we would recognize that we need people, that we would recognize that we can't do this alone. And God, I pray that you give us opportunity to disciple one another, that you give us opportunity to uh, say, follow me as I follow Christ. And so God, I pray that you continue to set a legacy here of discipleship. God, that we would see that the outflow of that, the, the ripple effects would extend into our community, into this province, into this area, because God is your kingdom that needs to flourish here. And so, Lord, I pray that it would flourish first in our lives so that it can flourish here in this community as well. God, we thank you for all that you have brought us through. And God, we thank you that there is still best yet to come. We love you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Friends, thanks so much for joining us. We hope you have a great day.